0: Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hey, my friends, thanks for joining me again today. So today's topic came to mind because of a request I got the other day. I have a colleague that I collaborate with on some research from time to time. He's someone who's in basic science, not clinical. So my role in his research has been to recruit patients and collect biologic samples for some of his projects and then consult on the implications or potential implications of his findings on clinical care. It's been a pretty cool win-win for us. His lab wouldn't be able to conduct their studies without my involvement, and I've learned a lot and have been able to contribute to some publications in areas I never would have really known about otherwise. So this colleague emailed me recently with a request. He has a friend of the family who's a college student thinking about medical school and wondered if I could have them do a month of shadowing with me. When I got the email, I immediately had a lot of thoughts about that request, so I knew it would be a good topic for a podcast. Now, I know this type of request could provoke a variety of reactions. Some people might feel sort of neutral about it, not really something they love doing and wouldn't go out of their way to seek out opportunities, but also fine, why not? Some people might get excited about it, thinking it would be a lot of fun to have a different type of learner around, and they'd love to get someone enthused about going into medicine. And then there are other reactions like mine where it was more of, ugh, this sounds like a hassle, and I really don't want to say yes, but I kind of feel like I'm supposed to say yes. Well, I read the email in the evening, and I know enough by now to know that any email that gives me pause deserves a day to mull over before I answer. So I let it sit overnight. In the end, I said no. But then I did some self-coaching on my response and how I want to feel about it. So I think the first step when you're faced with a request that you're thinking of declining, but it's giving you pause, is to do a little bit of analysis of the pros and cons. And I know that seems really obvious, but there's two things I want to clarify. One, it should include only facts. You need to sort out things that are thoughts because all thoughts are optional and you can change them if you want. And two, the facts should only pertain to you and your potential experience of the thing. You don't include other people in your pros and cons list. And before you start thinking that's a really selfish and self-centered approach to make your decisions based only on how they'll impact you and completely disregard the impact on other people, just sit tight. It'll become clear. I promise I'm not trying to turn you into a thoughtless, self-centered jerk. So to illustrate, I'm going to go through some of the thoughts I had about this shadowing request, which of course felt like facts until I stopped to examine them and how I paired them down to the actual facts. In reality, when I do self-coaching about something of this size, it's usually kind of shorthand. The thoughts come up randomly while I'm letting something stew, and I just mentally break them down as they happen. For something bigger that I'm really struggling with, I'd probably block some time and do it in a more formal way, but something like this is usually just happening in the background. I'm presenting it as a more formal, organized thing just to illustrate everything that's happening in the process. I'm going to invite you to play along here. You can either go through what you would be thinking about this particular request, or you can think about some request you've received recently that you wanted to say no to, but for whatever reason, it wasn't an easy automatic no. If you're in a place where you can stop and write things down, that can be really helpful. Seeing words on a page definitely makes a difference. When you see words on a page, it's a lot easier to create a little detachment and be analytical about them. But if you're driving or something, just play along in your head. Okay, so the basic gist of my thoughts was this is going to be a huge hassle and a time suck and there's nothing in it for me, but I feel like I should say yes to preserve this working relationship. Not great reasons. People-pleasing and professional guilt. Usually not good pillars for guiding our actions. So I'll break it down into why I thought it was going to be a hassle and why I thought I should should, as in air quotes, say yes anyway. First was, I will have to do a ton of paperwork to bring in an observer and that's going to be a hassle. Is that a fact? No. It is a fact that at my institution, there's a form that needs to be completed and the form is of a certain length and it contains certain elements that must be met. It's a fact that I know the details of this form as it currently stands because I just went through this process for some multi-site research I'm involved in. It is not a fact that it's a hassle. That's a thought. It's not a fact that it will take x amount of time or x number of emails. Just because that's how it played out this time for me doesn't mean it's going to be the same next time. There are a lot of variables involved. It's not even a fact that I need to do this form. Even for my part of it, the part of the sponsor, I have a very capable assistant who could be given this task. So really, the only fact here is the observer form will need to be completed. Second was, I'm already tripping over students in clinic. I can't accommodate an extra person. Well, clearly we can poke a lot of holes in that one, so it's a thought. The supposition is that the observing student would be present all the time, and we could go down a huge rabbit hole of all the ways that's not a fact. There are no rules for this, so I could create my own limits for how often and how long. It's not necessarily true that it won't be a good or useful experience for the student unless they're with me all day every day. The kernel of the fact is something like, I usually have a student in clinic a certain number of sessions per month, and at this point in time, I prefer not to increase that. Third, this will slow me down in clinic, and I'll be behind all the time or leave work late every day. Okay, so similar issues as with the last thought in terms of all the time and every day. Now, I do tend to run a little behind when I have a student in clinic because I'm stopping to teach along the way, and the feedback I get from students is that the way I currently do things provides a valuable clinic experience. Not saying I knock it out of the park with all of my student interactions, but clinic is one that's usually well-received. So I prefer to keep my student teaching in clinic pretty much as is because that's in line with my core values in terms of teaching. If I did a time study, I could probably determine an average number of extra minutes per day when I have a student in clinic, and I could probably decide how that might differ with an observing college student versus with an M3. So the fact would probably be something like, if I agree to this observer and carry it out in a way that's congruent with my current teaching style, I would likely add an extra X number of minutes per day on days that the student is present. Fourth was there's nothing in it for me. Really? Now it's true, nothing tangible like money or points toward my compensation requirements, but it would be an item on my CV under mentorship for sure. The reason that didn't immediately come to mind for me is that I'm already terminally promoted and I'm not looking for a different job, so I don't really use my CV for much. But also of benefit to me, Mentoring and education are part of my professional core values, so I would almost definitely gain some good vibes for using those. So, there's nothing in it for me is not a fact and not true. Fifth was, I need to preserve this working relationship. That was close. I'd say the fact is, I want to. Sixth was, I need to say yes to preserve this working relationship. Definitely not a fact so many suppositions at play here. I'm not sure I can find any facts in that one. And seventh was, by saying no, I'm denying the student the observing opportunity. Well, wait, that one's violating one of the rules for pros and cons lists because it wasn't about me. When that happens, you can figure out how it is about you by asking yourself, why is that a problem for me? Well, the answer to that question is something like, I'm denying them an opportunity, and that will have a negative impact on their career trajectory, and I'll feel guilty about it. Okay, really? If I say no, that's it? They have no other option? Now, I think the reason I have this thought in the first place is that between my M1 and M2 years, I set up an observership with a group of cardiologists I'd worked with during my gap year. I had been working as the ward clerk slash CMA in our post-op heart unit of a community hospital for the year between college and med school. I know I've mentioned that job experience before. It was an entry-level position, and the job itself was not thrilling, but I got a ton out of that year because all the docs and nurses and PAs knew I was planning to go to med school, and I wanted to learn everything. I got taught all the time. So as I was nearing the end of my M1 year and had some time coming up over the summer between sessions, I reached out to the cardiologist with a proposal for coming to observe with them and they accepted. It was a great experience and a great use of my summer time and completely voluntary on their part. So I can see where I have a soft spot in my heart for this because I'm so thankful that someone did it for me. But if they had said no, I'm sure I would have found a different way to learn that summer. And I'm sure I would have gotten the most out of whatever that was because that's what I was motivated to do, get the most out of it. So obviously, me declining to have this college student shadow me does not in any way mean they have no observing opportunities. The options are limitless. And it certainly doesn't mean their chances of seeing clinical medicine and choosing it for a career are ruined. That's laughable. Do I really think this person has their heart set on working with me when they've never met me or even heard of me or that the experience would make or break their career choice? Give me a break. Not to mention the possibility that observing with me could result in them deciding they want nothing to do with medicine. They could hate the month with me. So really, there isn't anything for me to feel guilty about. I had just created a potential scenario in my head where I was going against some of my core educational values, and it wasn't even real or probable. So no facts there. Here are the facts I'm left with. The observer form would need to be completed. I prefer not to increase the number of student days beyond what I currently do. Having a college student observer in clinic might increase the length of my workday by a certain number of minutes. I want to preserve this working relationship, and I have no proof that saying yes is necessary for that to happen. Now, when I look at those facts, I feel a lot cleaner with the no answer. I like my reasons. Back to the beginning where I said hold on to the thought about not promoting selfish jerkishness, I hope it's more clear now how this process of only looking at the facts and how they affect you isn't selfish. It's because you really just don't know what's in store for other people. And if you can find the nuggets of truth and you like your reasons about which ones hold more weight with you, you're good. Now, if we go back to the seventh thought about what me saying no will mean for the student, if this was someone I had a personal relationship with, if it was someone I was already mentoring, if a similar opportunity with someone else was highly unlikely, if the circumstances were such that I might be going against those core values if I said no... Do you think I would say no just as easily and feel clean about it? Probably not. Not because of the presumed negative impact for the other person, but because it wouldn't align so well with my values for how I conduct myself. See the difference? Being analytical doesn't mean rejecting your values. One more thing. There's a school of thought that when you're looking at a yes-no decision like this, you should ask yourself if it's a hell yes, and if it isn't a hell yes, it's a no. I'm not sure how much I agree with that philosophy. I think it's a useful exercise for helping to weed out when your reasons for saying yes would be driven by things like professional guilt or people-pleasing. But things that are big and scary, things that are a stretch and require some work but would result in personal growth those things are usually not going to be a hell yes, are they? Most of us don't immediately love the idea of doing something that sounds scary or uncomfortable. But we need to do those things, otherwise our lives and careers become really small and really boring and redundant. So I think there's room for a few more steps here. If it's a hell yes, great. It's a yes and you're done. If it's a hell no... Hang on, before you give the no, take a second to be clear about why it's a no and whether you like those reasons. If you do, great, it's a no. If it's neither, go through the steps we just did and figure it out. The example I've been using was actually a hell no for me, but if I hadn't gone through the self coaching about it, if I had just given my response without working through my reasons, it would have created some emotional dissonance for me because I didn't love what I thought were my reasons. One last thing. Your reasons for your no aren't anyone's business other than your own. What I mean by that isn't that you can't or shouldn't share them. Of course, you can if it feels appropriate. But most of the time, when we choose to share our rationale with the other person, it's because we want them to know. It's not because we're a selfish jerk that we actually have a good reason. But here's the thing our explanation of our reasons may or may not have the intended effect because we don't control other people's thoughts or feelings. Maybe it will. The better you know the other party and the stronger the relationship is, the better equipped you are to be right in your prediction of how they'll react. But you never really know, and you definitely can't control it. You have to be solid in what you think about your reasons and be willing to let other people be wrong about you. I think that's a good place to wrap it up for today. Thanks for joining me, and I will see you back next time. opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.